weird. It's a weird thing to do, but it's like I, it's kind of it's kind of nice to be able to do weird things like that, where like I have to run real fast in the middle of the tour. It's just kind of like I think people appreciate the effort, you know. A lot of it is about just like looking like you're working hard. By the way, French fries right here for oh, you. Thank you. All right, so I've started recording. Uh, hey guys, this is Person About Town, and today we're joined by Rob Crean. Tell us a little bit about yourself and where we are. We are right now. We're in Sterling's, which is a bar that's. Uh, near Fennel Hall on the Freedom Trail, and we're going to walk around the Freedom Trail today. I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, and just for full disclosure, everything that you listen to today, imagine Rob in full period costume. I think that is important for the audio experience that you know he is wearing. Uh, slightly darker than powder blue, maybe a Carolina blue. Uh, what kind of jacket is it? Just a period jacket. I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's like a long jacket with the buttons. Like It looks like all the paintings you saw of like kings and stuff. Yeah. It used to be navy, but it's... No it's way! Not, yeah. That's that dark. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah, I mean, you know me in my real life, and uh, you know that I always wear the Canadian tuxedo, dark <laughs> denim jacket and, and denim jeans, and this used to be the same color as that. I try to always wear the same colors all the time. Really? Mm -hmm. You're like blue, I, I decided that now. Well, it's, it's just because my hair and my beard changes so much that I try and wear the same clothes all the time so that I'm recognizable, despite my face changing all the time. Really? Yeah. Your face does change because, like, you look so different because, like, right now your hair is long but you don't have a beard versus most of the time that I think I've known you, you've had somewhat shorter hair and a beard. Yeah. I have a beard in the winter. I don't have a beard in the summer. Is it a heat thing? Um, partially, well, a lot of it's to do with the job, actually. Uh, first of all, historically, it's more accurate to not have a beard because beards were really out of fashion at the time of the revolution. That's part of it, but mainly I just think I get better tips if I don't have a beard. I don't know. Wow. So, like, have you compared it to other guides who do have beards? Not really. It's just a hunch. <laughs> I don't know if that's really true. I just think that you seem more approachable if you don't have a beard, you know? But I mean, I do tours during the winter too, so I do a lot of tours with a beard. And I, I don't know, it's hard to say if it really makes any difference. Because when you have a beard, people are like, wow, really period appropriate beard. Because people get the Civil War and the Revolution War mixed up. Uh, you know, no one really, people aren't like, that's not, you know. Unless you're a real jerk, you're not going to correct someone on their, you know, their costume. There are people that are like, there are some people that will do stuff like that. But usually it's more obvious stuff. Like there's a couple of people that have, visible tattoos and people will give them a hard time about that like oh, they didn't have tattoos back then yeah. you know I don't know got it so you give tours even in the winter yeah yeah all winter we do two tours a day well we offer two tours a day they don't always go off so like what and again I don't need like a specific like title of a type of jacket but like what do you have to wear if you're in like period stuff because like you can't put like a Patagonia or something well we were cloaks so we were like you know long like capes over you know which are which are pretty warm but then also, like, mainly just bundle up underneath. So I wear, you know, I mean, you don't, what I'm wearing under my costume doesn't have to be period oh, okay. uh, appropriate. And That's good to know, that they're not, like, forcing you to wear, like, 17th or 16th, 18th, 18th century under. Yeah, no, I definitely was, you know, and, you know, like, my shoes aren't that accurate, but uh, the shoes are the only thing that we have to provide ourselves. My shoes are, you know, really, they're, they're just, I mean, they, they're close enough, you know. Yeah. We try to, like, not have shoes with laces because people didn't have laces back then. But, you know... And some people will have have buckles. Some people wear like fake buckles that attach to regular shoes, which I'm like, that ah, seems like too much work. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, anyone that's gonna squabble about 
how accurate my shoes are. Hey, yeah. Come on, I'm not going to wear leather-soled shoes when I'm walking three miles a day, you know. So you walk 30 miles a day? Oh, three. Oh, yeah, 30. Way less, yeah. 30 miles? Jesus Christ. How long is the Freedom Trip? It's two and a half miles, but most of the tours that we do are about a mile. Okay. And so, you know, depending on which tours you do, you'll walk, you know, between... And, and then just walking you know, to and from our office, it's about usually it's about three miles. Nice. Yeah. Sometimes longer, depending on where you go on the, on the tour. So what are some of the competitors to your tour company? And also, like, I, I don't think I asked you on this so far, like, what you do and why it is that you would be wearing period regalia. Oh, right. Uh, I just started watching that show Mad Men. I just got really into <laughs> vintage. So I just, yeah, I, I just kept going further and further back, you know. I think next I'm going to get a caveman outfit. I think that's going to be my next real real vintage, you know. Yeah, Just animal pelts, I think, is going to be. You're good. As a vegan, you wearing animal pelt would be very an, an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do wear leather, so that's, you know, I'm, not, I'm that kind of vegan, you know. I'm wearing a, actually, I'm, everything I'm wearing is like faux leather today. I just realized I'm wearing a fake leather jacket and fake leather pants and fake leather shoes. So wow. I'm vegan in my dress. Yeah, you're more vegan than me. I'm wearing leather shoes right now. I did just eat uh, eggs and bacon, so it completely discounts all of this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're, uh, so you're, you're vegan outside. I'm vegan inside. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. I also would go that I'm just very cheap. And these are the most inexpensive. Certainly, yeah. I've had a lot of faux, faux leather stuff over the years. Yeah. I can imagine you in a leather jacket, but I think it's just because I know you were like involved in music before comedy. Yeah. I used to have like a, a punk rock leather jacket. Yeah, but I gave it to my friend. Uh, I had a friend, uh, Mike B, who's who's like the like the biggest Ramones fan I know. I haven't seen him in years, actually. Really nice guy. But he had a son who was, uh, I think, at this point he was like twelve. And he was starting to really get into the Ramones. And I'm the size of a 12-year-old. And I was like, at that point, I was like really vegan. I, didn't, I wasn't wearing leather. And I, and I wear leather now. But back then, I didn't wear leather. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to give this jacket to Mike B. Because it'll really mean a lot to him and to his son. And so I just gave him my leather jacket. And, and that, so now I don't have one. But I did have one. Yeah. So when did you, A, start being a vegan? And B, how, like, what was your involvement in music? Uh, I started being a vegan in... I don't know, like the late 90s, early 2000s. And uh, I played in rock bands for a long time. Uh, most notably, uh, uh, and, by, and not very notably, but most notably, in a band called the Ames Curve, um, which uh, has to do with uh, Massachusetts history. The Ames Curve, the name of the band, was based on the town that we were from, Easton, Massachusetts, which is a town that was built around the Ames Shovel Factory. So... The Ames family, who are, uh, and actually, I'll show you the Ames building when we leave here, uh, but the Ames uh, family was, uh, they're a, a political family here in Massachusetts, and they, uh, they, built, they had the shovel factory, and in, during World War I, one in every three shovels in the entire world came from the Ames shovel factory in Easton, Massachusetts. And the reason for that is, uh, oh, oh, actually, no, I'm all set. Thank you, I appreciate it. Um, the reason for that is, uh, is that they had, they had a patent called the Ames Bend, where they made shovels curved, like a right, yeah. Like back then, a shovel used to be like a flat piece of metal or wood on a stick. Even though spoons had had existed for millennia, no one, yeah, no one ever thought to make uh, make a, a, a shovel like a spoon. And um, and actually, you know, it's the opposite with forks. 
forks are are much newer than are newer than spoons because forks they had pitchforks like for hay before they had forks for eating. Like the fork that we eat with is based on a pitchfork, and the shovels are based on spoons. It's weird. Yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, and, and actually, like a, a friend of mine, John Rice, who's another tour guide, uh, talks about that on his tour. He, that you know, uh, right around the time of the revolution, like. Uh, they would have had forks here, but they would have been a real novelty. I'm interested in how that would have gone. Like, ooh, let's get this meal with forks. Ooh, like, how did they pick up? People were excited. People, people ate with their hands a lot, but they had spoons. They did have spoons, so people. Would you can't eat like a steak with a spoon. A lot of spoons would be sharp back then, so you know, it would have been like a, you know, not not probably not like a grapefruit spoon, but you know, like just kind of sharp at the edge. That makes more sense. Like. Now I'm, I see, like, I'll get a soup spoon and, like, another type of spoon. So, like, if one was, like, a, hey, we got to use this thing for everything spoon and was sharp, then I totally understand having a separate soup spoon. Yeah. But now I'm like, come on, guys. This, why, do we, why do we need to do this? Yeah, it's pretty unnecessary. Though sometimes you get the real nice, like, the super wide soup spoon, which is pretty satisfying. I love, I like, like, a really small spoon. And I think it's also because I am a small person. But because, like, I, I find most spoons are, like, too big. See, I'm the opposite. I'm a small person, too. And I love when stuff is a little bit too big. Like, did you ever go to Mike's in, in uh, Davis Square? They have those, like, giant beer steins that you can get. And I love holding those because they're, like, bigger than a normal beer. And I'm smaller than a normal person. So when I, when I hold one, it looks ridiculous. You know? Like, I feel like when anyone holds it, it's like, oh, it's a big beer. But when I hold it, it's like, that's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, you know? I guess... I, so my cell phone is very large, and I like that. I like having like an oversized cell phone, but I love having like like a small, like a very small bowl of things with like very small spoons and like almost like borderline doll-sized things. I love that. Yeah, well, I think that's why you're a lot thinner than me. Probably. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, it takes me years to eat with my like incredibly small. Well, you, have, you have portion controls. Like you'll get a small bowl of something. I always get the largest size. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. <laughs> Me eating a normal sized thing, that's hilarious. I like that you're going for humor, just like in like every aspect of your life. You used to play in bands, Ames Curve. So how did you get started in music? Um, I don't know. I just was a, uh, I don't know. I just liked music. <laughs> how did I get started in it? Uh, I guess I just, uh, you know, I went to local rock shows until I met people that were willing to be in a band with me. I was in other bands before that too, but I mean, and and you know, to, to varying levels of success uh, artistically, you know, and uh, I mean, I never had any success other than artistically. <laughs> but artistically, like the Ames Curve, I'm, I, you know, we we broke up like ten years ago, but I'm still, or twelve years ago at this point, I think, but I'm still really proud of what we did. It was, you know, I still like I listen to that record now, and I'm like, yeah, that was what I was going for, you know. Is it on Spotify? Could like people find it and listen? I don't think it is. I should. I mean, there's some stuff on YouTube that's not good. It's from our demo. But I really should figure out a way to get the record on the internet. I don't know. I haven't done that. <laughs> but you host a lot of shows around town. Yeah. Yeah, I host, uh, well, I, I host mainly two shows. Uh, I host the, the Gas at Great Scott every Friday, which is a very good show. And then I host uh, the Hashtag Midi's Corn open mic at the Middle East, which is a nightmare. Uh, Why is it a nightmare? Uh, no, it's great. I mean, it's but it's you know it's an it's an open mic. It's a nightmare. Um, all open mics are nightmares to some ex extent, but ours is the, is greater greater Boston's most nightmarish open mic. 
Was it voted that somewhere or something? Uh, I think me and John Paul just started calling it that. Okay. <laughs> You've been calling it for so that for so long. I thought there was like a like a poll, and everyone agreed that this one was the most nightmare. I, I no, I think it's just. I mean, it's just. I think that what makes it a nightmare is also what makes it. It's it's a it's like a weird nightmare. It, but I think that's cool. I like it. it. It's just like you know, it's on like, it's like right on the like the the epicenter of of like craziness in the greater Boston area. It's like like where is the crazy? Probably the craziest place in um in all of the greater Boston area is the corner of uh, Mass Ave and Magazine Street, right? Or is that right? We're right across right, Pros- Prospect, yeah. So like, yeah, across the street from Prospect, uh, Magazine Street. Like that's like the craziest place in Boston. And the Middle East is, you know, is two blocks from there. It's a, it's, there's no door charge. There's glass windows behind the stage. It's just, there's a lot of crazy stuff that happens there. And then also sometimes there's bands downstairs that can be crazy. There's the, you know, there's a, a really fun lesbian dance night right next door, which is crazy, yeah. Yeah, it's been going on for a long time, and it's uh, it's it's a really yeah. And I, there was for a while there was a there was a, a a woman who would go to the night the the dance night every night, and who would flash her boobs to the windows, which was pretty great because you know it's an open mic. So there's a lot of like you know 21 year old comedians who saw their first real live pair of boobs at the hashtag Mitty's Corn, you know. <laughs> building something you're like affecting the youth in that way yeah yeah seeing boobs the first time is a big deal and a lot of, there's a lot of people who their memory of the first time they saw boobs is that the hashtag minis corn i think that affects their lives in a way that makes it even more likely for them to do comedy if like they haven't had like a normal adjustment like boobs someone they cared about just like a woman on the street during an awkward comedy moment all right i get it yeah it's a, yeah they have that association forever yeah. <laughs> boobs was comedy which is not an association I think other people make a lot. No, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you start working on the Freedom? Uh, this is my sixth season, so five years ago. Uh, yeah, and uh, I really like it. It's fun. How did you get into it? Uh, well, I, my friend Matt Wilding used to do this. He now works at the Edward N. Kennedy Institute of the American Senate, but he worked at the Freedom Trail for many years. He was a tour guide, and then he worked in the office. But uh, we started the gas together, actually. So we used to co-host the gas yeah, back when neither of us was good at comedy, and uh, then he quit comedy, uh, and then I got better. Uh, but <laughs> we were both, we were. Ooh, there were some rough ones back then. Oh, it used to be. Yeah, it was pretty. When the gas first started, too, there was you know there's the, there there were these regulars uh, at the bar that would play. There was it used to be a golden tea machine that was right next to the stage, and they would just play golden tea like the first half hour of the show. So the first half of the show, they would just heckle us while they played Golden Tea. It, it was really weird, but kind of awesome in a weird way. You know, like I, I kind of liked it, and I, 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 and I especially like that that happened and that it no longer happens. You know, it was a good thing to happen. Well, like there was the well, well, you know, back then there was a lot of problems with the show, which was good because the biggest problem was that we were bad at comedy and bad at running shows. And so, like, it was great that there was all these other things. Like, we didn't have, we had bad chairs. We used to have lawn chairs. And we, and there was these guys playing golden tea. It just was, you know, it was, it was terrible. And all of those terrible things sort of overshadowed the fact that also we were doing a really bad job of running the show, you know. <laughs> but it made it just feel kind of crazy. And I, I think for a while, we, I think we coasted on crazy for a while before we eventually, like, were able to get to quality, you know. When do you think that shift to quality happened? I would say about two years in, probably. You know, two, three years in. 
And when did the gas start bringing in like outside acts? So like more differently than the, uh, I guess the more showcase formula that it is traditionally. Now I've seen like a lot of like the gas presents like like big acts and stuff like that. How did that happen? Uh, well, it actually started almost immediately. The first show that we did uh, that was kind of a bigger show was Christian Finnegan, and who's um, really nice guy. And he was really nice to us, even though we did a really bad job. Like, the show was kind of a nightmare. And not not because of him. He was great. And, and actually, it was like, we just, we didn't know what we were doing. We started the show too early. The show ended up being way too long. By the time he got on stage, it was great, and he did a really great job. But, like, we put up about, uh, all these people before him. It was just a, it was a mess. And he was... So uh, so nice to us about it, and uh, he's never been back. But he was really nice to us about it, uh, you know. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was really it was really bad. And that was really on. And a lot of that, uh, you know. So there's different ways that we get the headliners. Partially, it's you know, we work. I work with this guy Carl Lavin, who works for Bowery uh, Bowery Presents. Used to work. Used to have his own company called uh, C Cube Presents. That was uh, that was him and this other guy Josh Smith. Uh, that you know, and they are. You know, they they booked a lot of stuff around here, and they they basically like they got they were uh, you know kind of a uh, you know they started booking shows and built their company up until the point where they got bought out by uh, Bowery, and then Bowery you know took them on. And now they've been working for Bowery for uh, for a while at this point, and they uh, you know they do really cool stuff, and it's kind of like I like the, you know the sort of like the Bowery philosophy is like you know kind of like provide the same type of venues as other places, but just be easier to work with than anyone, and just you know make sure like really focus on, you know, like, you know, artist and customer satisfaction. Like, make sure that people, like, have the best time at your show that they can to make people want to come back to do your venue, you know? And, yeah. So is Great Scott Carl's venue, or, like, does he just manage booking? So, yeah, he just manages booking. So it's uh, it's owned by a guy, oh, what's his friend? A guy named Frank, oh, I've never seen... They may just be make, maybe they may be lying to me. Maybe there is no Frank, but Frank owns uh, owns I think that whole building, and he owns O'Brien's down the street, and uh, you know I don't think he's a, I think he used to be around more, but I don't think he's around much. I think he lives outside the city, uh, but um, you know every once in a while uh, I, I guess he shows up. But he yeah, but it's uh, you know uh, yeah, I and mean, it used to be I mean it's only been uh, Great Scott's only been a music venue for I don't know like ten or twelve years probably. Yeah, I mean, it was it was like a music venue before, but it was like cover bands from BC would play there. It was like the it was like a BC bar, you know. Yeah, yep. But then you know when CQ Presents started run, booking stuff there, they they kind of like took over. They put in like they put in a sound. It didn't, it didn't used to have a sound system. It used to be if bands played there, they had to bring their own PA and stuff like that. You know? That's nice. That that yeah. I I thought that Great Scott had been around like since Aerosmith and like. That is just like super established. I mean, the bar has been there, but it was just like you know, it was, you know, I guess supposedly like their big thing that was like the the draw for Great Scott for many years was that they did not card. And I know that you've been to Great Scott a lot, which seems ridiculous now because they are like one of the strictest bars now. I think it's because like you know, 20 years ago I think they got in trouble. Right. You know? uh, oh yes, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thanks. So you know, I don't know. It's weird. But uh, yeah, but yeah, they're, they're not, now they're really strict. There was yeah, it's, I mean, there's so often that yeah, for people that like 
don't have uh, IDs who are clearly overage. They won't even like X them up and let them in. They just like, they're like you can't, you can't be in here. It's, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, I like that place though. I actually recorded a podcast there as well. Someone chose that as their favorite place. Yeah. Uh, so wait, when did you start Mid East Corner? Uh, ten years ago. Yeah, but ten years ago. So back when I was, I was in a sketch group called Anderson Comedy. So that's why everything I do is under the Anderson Comedy umbrella. So there was, there was uh, a bunch of us, and uh, we started doing this. We did like a sketch show there, and we would do live sketches and video sketches. But then we also started booking stand-ups for like, you know, in between. And so that was like what it was like for the first year that we did it. And uh, it's not really a great room for like a show, but it's a good room for a mic, I think, you know? And it's, uh, yeah, so we, you know, we did that for like a year until we sort of transitioned. We started doing a, a talk show at O'Brien's. Okay. And so we kind of, we focused on that being our main like show where we would produce new material every month. And then we started making the mic, uh, and uh, the open mic, you know, that making the Middle East an open mic. And we did that for, and at first open mic was, it, we've been doing it for 10 years, but originally it was monthly. Yeah. Then it was uh, twice a month. And then most confusingly, three times a month, which was just, yeah, yeah, which just meant every week I would get 20 text messages from comedians being like, is the mic on tonight? Is the mic, whether or, whether or not it was. So you've seen a lot of comedians coming through the scene. What are some of the changes you've seen in Boston comedy from 10 years ago to now? Less Jewish people. I don't know why. It's so weird. Yeah. It used to be, it used to be like... It used to be like half of the comedians in Boston were Jewish and the other half were Irish. And now it's like, it's just all, all Irish guys. It's weird. I don't know. I'm like wondering what happened to the Jews. Like, did they all just move to New York or like where? Yeah. I mean, the ones that were here when I started, yeah, uh, moved to New York or L.A. So what are some things that you, like you see people when they are first starting, what are some things that you're like, dear God, if I see another open mic or do this, I'm going to slip my wrist? Uh, you know, there's so many things. I mean, really, like, the, probably the thing that is the worst is just complaining about the audience not paying attention to you. You know, because it's just, it's not their fault, it's your fault. Be more interesting. You know, like, I don't, I, you know, I, yeah, it's really, yeah, the, the mic's loud. That's what it's like. You don't have to come. Like, I mean, there's 50 people there every week. Like, if you're not there then someone else gets up one spot earlier. You know, like, don't come if you don't like it. It's, like, I, we advertise it as Greater Boston's most nightmarish open mic. So when you show up and it's a nightmare, don't be like, oh, how, how would this nightmare, it's a nightmare. You know, like, it's, you know, yeah, it's really, yeah, it's a difficult room. But, like, you know, you just, you see people kill there. Like, people have great sets there. And, you know... And it's, the set is never, the, the killer sets are never, no one's paying attention to me, why am I wasting my time? Like, those sets never, that never turns the show around. I, I don't know. It's just a waste of time. Just get off, if, if, you're, if you're not enjoying your stage time, get off stage. Seriously, because there's, there's someone ready to go up after you that is what, ready to do a better job than you're doing. So just get off the stage. You know, no. that's, that's the main thing. There's a lot of other stuff too, but, you know. Also, you know, I don't know, just like, child molester jokes, rape jokes, you know. Hey, and hey, look, they're great. We can all agree. We all love a great child molester joke. But, you know, do you know how, like, the government uh, pays 
farmers to not grow corn because we have enough corn. I feel like the government should subsidize child molester jokes. We have enough. There's no need for any new child molester jokes. We have enough. I appreciate that. As someone who has been at Mike's and had uh, just like... What, like you see women in the audience like why would you say this horrible thing yeah I'm happy that uh, and I wouldn't say this is like big some like monumental shift since I started but yeah I'm happy that people are like no we're not doing this anymore like you're just cutting this out I feel like yeah it's it's less it's definitely less I mean I think it's definitely less it's less with like people who are there on a regular basis you'll still get new comics coming for the first time and doing stuff like you know doing really hacky stuff like that and I think that's what's good about it is that it has become way more hacky than it is, offen- is offensive you know cool. I think let's uh let me settle up the bill here and then let's go walk around and some, see some other freedom trail stuff that sounds great hey guys we turned the recorder back on and here we are walking through the streets of Boston school street ah. and right across the street you can see there's a see this podium right there yeah, yeah. there's usually a statue of Benjamin Franklin there but two weeks ago today, it was really windy. Do you remember it was really windy a couple yeah, yeah. weeks ago? They had, uh, the Ruth's Chris Steakhouse had a tent set up in front of it, uh, in front of the statue of Benjamin Franklin, and the wind blew the tent into the Benjamin Fa- Franklin statue and knocked it over. Oh, did it break? It fell, it fell over. I don't know if it, it pro- I'm sure it probably was somewhat damaged. <laughs> yeah. They actually, like, they, Gary has pictures of it, but they, like, had it, like, covered up like it was a murder scene. <laughs> like, the statue was under, like, a, <laughs> under a tarp, and <laughs> it was really really weird uh, but let's go let's go to the Parker House Hotel which okay. is right up here um, and this is the, the Parker House Hotel is is the longest continually operating hotel in the US which is sort of a weird <laughs> phrasing yeah. there because there's a there is a, another hotel in Chicago that has been uh, operating longer uh-huh. a, as a building but right. this one like there was two different buildings, two parts of it that were knocked down and, and then rebuilt at, but at the same not at the same time so it was uh-huh. Continually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you can hear Boston calling. I wonder who's playing right now. Oh, yeah. Oh. Right. Know. Are we going inside? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hello. Thank you. I've never been in here. I've never been down here before, but I want to check it out because down here, I've never seen it before, but there is. Oh, this is it. This is the door. This is uh, Charles Dickens' door. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow, cool. Interesting, yeah, so this is... Who's Charlotte Cushman? I don't know. Charlotte Cushman. Hmm. She died here, evidently. <laughs> she lived here for four months, and, and it ended in her death. It was a weird thing for a hotel to, yeah, to advertise. Yeah, like, ugh. This is a very haunted hotel, evidently, too. Really? Yeah, it's haunted by, uh, the, the, you know, the, supposedly the, the original owner, Harvey Parker, haunts it. And they say sometimes people will report they're in their room, uh, especially if they leave the door open. And an old man will come by and say, oh, excuse me, uh, I'm the owner of the hotel. I just wanted to stop by and make sure everything was okay. You guys have enough towels and everything like that? And they'll say, oh, yeah, thank you so much. And he says, all right, great, well, have a great night. I'll see you later. And then he leaves. And the next... 
the next day they go downstairs to the to the desk and they say, we met the owner last night. He was very nice. And they say, the owner's been dead for a hundred years. <laughs> what is he wearing that people aren't like, yeah, this weird guy dressed up in like period costume. I think he's dressed like in like a, like a tuxedo type of like, you know, like a, like a, like, or, you know, like someone that works at a super fancy hotel. That hasn't changed that much over the years, I guess. Okay, cool. Like, yeah. Otherwise, it's like, if someone came to my door and they were dressed, like, in the period costume you were in, I'd be like, why are you dressed like that? Yeah. I would it remind is, them that they were dead. It is in downtown Boston, yeah. so there is a lot of us. That's true. <laughs> yeah. I guess maybe if you've been walking around all day and you've seen people like me. You'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, this happens, I guess. So let's go upstairs for a minute. We just okay. saw uh, Charles Dickens' door, which I've never seen before, so that was pretty cool. Let's go upstairs. And... So a couple things upstairs that are cool is uh, this is Parker's bar right here, but I'm not gonna let's not go in there. Let's go up here. Here is uh, this is Charles Dickens' mirror. So this huge mirror right here was in his his room for you know when he when he would stay here, and he would rehearse his readings in front of it. How big was his room with this huge door and this huge mirror? Well, I guess it was two suites, right? It was 138 and 139, so pretty big, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, but... and it, really into Charles Dickens here. Yeah. He was a pretty, pretty popular guy, I guess. Yeah. Whipple is oh, his last name. Yeah, Joseph Reed Whipple. I don't know anything about him, but I love that his, that's a, uh, is it Whipple? Is that, wait. I feel like I, yeah, yeah, it was the Charmins, right? Yeah. Mr. W yeah, is it, is it Whipple? I think it might be Mr. Whipple. It's either Whipple or, or Whiffle. Whip, it must be Whipple, right? Whiffle's not a name, that's a ball. <laughs> yeah, Whiffle is a ball. Yeah. Or, like, somebody wrote a book about advertising, and it said, like, Drop the toilet paper Whipple or something? That's well, why no, I... His, Whipple's line was, don't squeeze the shaman. Because yes. everyone would... Shaman's so unbelievable, so, unbelievably soft that everyone would want to squeeze the shaman. I love and Mr. unbelievable. Whipple, it was, people couldn't believe how <laughs> soft the shaman was. And they would come in and they would squeeze it. And Mr. Whipple would have to say, don't squeeze the shaman. <laughs> and this is that guy, yeah, is I assume. Yeah, they painted a portrait of him and put him... On the wall of the Omni Parker House Hotel. That's what this place is. That's called. right. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Omni is like a big uh, international like conglomeration yeah. of hotels, but it's always been the Parker House Hotel. But okay. more recently, the Omni Parker House Hotel. Got it. I like right. that the walls are like stucco. Yeah, yeah. It's nice. It's like that old. Classy. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the elevators are like wood mm -hmm. covered, and there's like a little border around each one. What is that? I want to say wainscoting, but I think I'm just making up that term. I like the term. Yeah. I don't know, what, I don't know if that's right or wrong, but I like the way it sounds. I'm just going to use wainscoting for everything, and my mom will listen and correct me because my mom knows all those terms. Really? Yeah, my mom loves Home Depot. Like, we went there mm -hmm. all the time as kids. So, like, she loves, like, putting up chair railings and, like, this sort of stuff. So she knows what all of these are called, and I'm always like, I, I don't I'm sorry, Mom. So, Mom, I'm really sorry that I failed you, and I don't remember what Wayne's cutting is. Oh my goodness, this is this got really sad. 
So I noticed they asked us absolutely no questions when we just walked into this hotel. Yeah. Does wearing this outfit allow you to just walk into places? Well, uh, I will say the Freedom Trail Foundation does have a, a very good relationship with the Park Ross Hotel. But living in Boston, uh, I found that you can walk into any hotel and just do kind of whatever you want. And they, Anytime. They pretty much never ask you any questions. I do it all the time. Wearing, like, period dress and not wearing? Just, yeah, just wearing regular clothes and just walk into hotels. Like, they really, like, as long as you're not, like, causing a scene, they really don't say anything. I do it a lot. Like, why? Well, it's a nice place to sit and just kind of relax, you know? Oftentimes, if I have, like, a couple hours to kill... Like, usually I'll eat something or drink alcohol. Like, that's usually what I, to be, if I'm being honest. But sometimes if I, in the rare cases where I don't feel like doing one of those two things, uh, or drink caffeine, I drink a lot of caffeine, uh, I'll just go to a hotel and just sit in the lobby, and you can just sit in the lobby and read, and they really don't ever ask you a question. Because who knows why you're there? You know, you could be there to meet someone who's staying at the hotel. You could be, I mean, I don't know. I guess that's the only, that's the only I don't have a lot of other. Now that you're saying that, I have, there's, um, a hotel I always cut through if I'm going to uh, the Kendall movie theater. Mm -hmm. Like, I always cut through that Marriott yeah, lobby. Totally. And, yeah, I've just sat down and, like, no one ever said anything to me. So, like, I'm like, maybe I could, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that you, you really can. And, uh, I mean, they just have all these chairs, you know. They're, They're nice chairs. They are really nice chairs, too. They just redid the whole lobby here, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's different. It's a little bit more, I feel like it's a little bit more, I don't know. It's less open than it used to be, but I, but it's kind of nicer. It's more like, there used to be more tables that had like, sort of like ni plush office chairs, like really nice plush office chairs, but now it's all like couches and, and uh, easy chairs, I guess. That's what you'd call this, right? Armchairs, armchairs, yes. Yeah, like a wing-backed armchair, velvetish. I'm not sure if this is actual velvet or like some other more durable version of it with like a ribbon border and, and uh, what are those, studs? Well, either way, I'm going to post pictures of these on Twitter. Yes. So, Kinesis Mom, you can look at my Twitter and correct Kinesis on any mistakes she's made in describing yes. these chairs. My mom might do that. My mom, I think, I don't know if she knows how to build a chair from scratch, but she certainly knows how to, like, redo a chair. Really? Wow, that's awesome. My mom is, like, super handy. Like, it's, we've had issues with, like, the plumbing in my apartment, and I know how to fix it just because my mom, like, if I were to go to my mom and be like, well, I called a plumber, she'd be like, for that? You, call, you wasted this much money for a plumber when you could easily do this? Yeah. I feel like my dad knew how to do tons of stuff like that, and I didn't learn any of it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, like, right before my father died, I was at his house, and we were, like, just sitting, uh, behind his house looking at like all the trees behind his house uh -huh. and he was just kind of like pointing at all the trees and telling me what kind of trees there were and I'm like well, I don't know any of this I don't know any of this and I work you know I do these freedom trail tours and people are always like what kind of tree is that and I'm like it's uh, wood that's a wood tree yeah you cut that down you can make that into wood that's like I don't I have no idea um, but then, like, I remember back to my childhood with m when, where my father would try and teach me stuff, and I'm like, oh, that's why. <laughs> I just was like, Batman, Batman, Batman. You know? oh, yeah. I guess that has taken up space in all of our brains. Like, I can tell you, like, 80s teen movie stuff and, like, mm -hmm. all that sort of things. Uh, I can tell that there are three types of trees. That is what I know. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, a fir tree, <laughs> palm tree, and other. Yeah, it's, uh... I, I did environmental science. I know it's oh, really? um, coniferous, deciduous, and tropical, maybe? Oh, 
Okay. Or maybe tropical trees are no, because they never shed their leaves. Yeah. Alright, so tropical, tropical is like a palm tree. Yeah, like it doesn't uh, ever shed its leaves. Uh, it needs a certain amount of water just because it's used to like a tropical yeah, right. rainforest thing. Then, Deciduous uh, trees shed that's, their leaves. That's like, oh, that they shed their leaves. Yeah, yeah. And carnivorous are man-eating. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> cone. Any cone. Cone. Cone is a coniferous tree, coniferous. maybe? That's coniferous. Yes. And... And I always, I always say uh, deciduous, but that's different. It's de- Wait, what's deciduous? I think it's uh, conniving. Is it? <laughs> I think, I don't know. That's, okay. yeah, like, something like that. I just avoid words that I'm not sure about. Mm-hmm. So I will, mm-hmm. I will find the longest way around something mm-hmm. when they're like, oh, you mean it's this one word that's clearly much more concise than what you're saying. Right, yeah, yeah. I, uh, yeah, yeah, I definitely, uh, you know, sometimes I do it better than others. Where is it? these people eagles are? People walking. There's a bunch of people walking through with the same shirt that had said it said eagles on it, but had a picture of a horse. That is curious. That's weird. Yeah. yeah. How often do you do like big groups all traveling together? Uh, a lot. I do a lot of private tours. So the private tours are uh, that's what that is usually. And uh, yeah, I do a lot of you know a lot of those. Uh, I mean that's you know especially this time of year that's like a that's a big part of our business is that we get you know a lot of school groups. Which I don't like, really. (laughs) Sometimes they're fine, but they're just, you know, for the most part, like, it's just, you know, you know, uh, like, uh, my tour, I think, works better for, uh, you know, adults or, like, you know, like, kids that take my public tour with a lot of adults, I think, really enjoy it. But it's, like, just kids, just, you know, especially kids are just distracted by each other, you know? I don't know. Especially, like, I'll do tours for, like, eighth graders Uh sometimes, and it's just, like... I think my tour is pretty good, but it, like I like I can't claim that it's more interesting than you know newly developing breasts and <laughs> and boyish chins uh, becoming into chiseled man jaws. Like yeah. that's much more interesting, you know. Like I like I get why they're not paying attention to me. Okay. Like they're just paying attention to each other because it's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, like I get why I'm not interested, you know. <laughs> That stuff's not interesting to me, by the way. It should be interesting to the kids. To me, it's completely not interesting. I like history. So have you always liked history? Um, no, I hated it in school. Why? Because it's stupid. Because they don't do a good job of teaching it. It's, it's uninteresting. They make it, they make it so uninteresting, you know. And I think it's gotten worse, too. I mean, I, you know, I went to school before MCAS, so it was like, you know, I mean, teachers had the... Teachers had... Uh, the freedom to to teach in a better way and right. just chose not to yeah. uh but whereas now like teachers have a lot less freedom and have to like teach to the test because yeah. you know that's just the way it is you know and we i we used to have to on our i i'm worried like I, midway through i'm worried that i'm gonna get in trouble for talking about all this stuff with the freedom trail <laughs> from my bosses just i want to just stress i am here in my capacity as a stand-up comedian yes. who is talking ever so slightly about his day job <laughs> But I am a stand-up comedian. Anything else I do is is not is not why I'm here. Yeah. I'm here as in in my position as a stand-up comedian, yes. a host of stand-up comedians. I'm a, I produce stand-up comedy. I'm not a good comic, but I'm like I'm a pretty good host. Like if you see me host, you're gonna be like that's good as a host. See me do a set, you might be like ah, oh, it's a little bit uneven, you know. But I'm, I'm okay. I'm fine, you know. I'm here as the I'm here my, I'm here as 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 an employee of Anderson Comedy where my position is designated boss. Nice. 
nice. Any other job I have is uh, is coincidental. <laughs> so no one holds him to these positions professionally. Uh, if you listen to this and want to take a tour of the Freedom Trail, I would suggest seeking Rob out, but uh, he is not saying any of this again. <laughs> Uh, this is not endorsed by the Freedom Trail Association, or what is it called, the Freedom Trail Association? Let's call it that. Sure. Yeah, it's not endorsed by them. They didn't, you know, sign off on any of this material, so sorry. Okay, cool. But um, I liked history in school a lot. I majored in history in college, uh, and I think it's because my teacher did find really interesting ways to talk about, specifically, like, the French Revolution. That was, like, my favorite thing. Um, I did, like, a in-depth project on like the guillotine <laughs> I was like a really cool teenager so oh. yeah I mean that's pretty cool I mean it's you know cuts people's heads off that's pretty cool but it was, it was designed initially as like a more humane way of execution. totally yeah well and it, yeah and it, and, it, and it is really I mean it's it's probably arguably more humane than the ways that we use now I mean lethal injection and and uh, electrocution are uh you know the I don't know. It's weird. They, I mean, they have their. I, I guess they have their place. I don't think any. I don't think actually <laughs> state uh, murder has any place. Yeah. And I don't. I'm not. I'm. For, I'm completely against that in all ways. But I mean, the guilt. You know, the 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 guillotine is like. It's fast. Yeah, you die real quick. You know, a yeah. couple seconds. Yeah. I also like that it's, and this is. I don't care if it makes me sound like an asshole. It's way cheaper for the taxpayer. It is. Because like, yeah. it's like one machine, you buy the machine, and then you're done, versus the drug system where like it costs so much to do yeah. like lethal injection. Right. Well, I mean, most of the cost, though, is, a, is the appeal system. That's what's oh. so expensive. So as long as you, if you don't give people fair trials, like executions become super cheap. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but, yeah, that's the thing, too. And, and the company that makes the lethal injection drug is a, is a foreign country, and they have stopped selling to the United States yeah. because they don't want to be involved in it. Uh, but and, but to me, and, and so it's like this, this big, they've been using different drugs and they've had like a bunch of botched executions where it took people like days to die. This is in like 2015, like real recent. To me though, the thing that's so crazy is that we, you know, it's, it's our correctional system that is executing these people. I don't think they should be executing these people, but that same correctional system is confiscating tons of heroin why don't we just use that like that seems like that could get the job done it does seem to be effectively getting it done throughout new england it certainly yeah and it seems like not a bad way to go you know yeah i mean i have very few friends who have tried heroin but the ones who have have said like holy cow that's yeah it's better than the rest of your life evidently because yeah. a lot of people throw away the rest of their lives to focus on heroin yeah yeah can you can you list my favorite place on when you, on descriptions of this podcast as historic downtown Boston <laughs> and okay. not the Freedom Trail? Absolutely, that would be good. <laughs> I really think that as long as it's not searchable okay. as Freedom Trail, I think I should be okay. Yeah, it, I'll make it not searchable. It'll say historic downtown Boston bricks in road bricks in red, road. red. Bricks uh, collapsing yeah. into roads. Yeah, yeah. We recorded a vine. It was like a whole thing. I'm like on. The social media, it's cool. Yeah, check it out because I really like need more views on my Vine feed. Uh, it's Vine really. Still, like, is Vine dying or is it still like a popular thing? I don't know. Thing? I think that I don't know. I, I don't know. Have you done Will Noonan yet? No. Your podcast? Oh, ask him. He'll have a better answer than me. Is he a Vine star? Oh yeah, yeah. He's he's big. Yeah, he's got his Nooniacs. They call him that. Uh, is it Nooniacs or 
it's something like that. Nuniax, it's, wait, so it's, Dun no, maybe it's Duniax and Nunies? No, that can't be right. Um, <laughs> I have a text message that I can probably find that Okay. I did not know that he had enough, like, I know he has lots of followers. I didn't know that they had named themselves. Yeah, let's see. It's New Enthusiasts. New enthusiasts. That doesn't roll off the tongue. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you're new enthusiastic, you can make it work. Okay. And, yeah. Uh. All right. Yeah, that's what it is. New enthusiasts. Okay. Cool. All right. So, yeah. New enthusiasts <laughs> is what fans of Will Noonan are. So, yeah. Uh, check him out on Vine. He's good. He's really funny. He does a lot of, like, his, he's, does, he's been doing a lot of weird face swap stuff that's real creepy. Uh. But very funny. That stuff does totally creep me out. Yeah, it's real weird. Yeah. I'm glad. I think I've, I mean, based on, of course I feel this way. It's like, I'm glad I'm born now versus like, like a hundred years from now when there are like realistic robots and like a lot of other things that like just, mm. we would find very unnatural. Yeah, but I bet that'll be fun. I don't know. Do you think we'll live for like a super long time? Like, do you think they'll have medical advances that make it so that we live to be, like, 150 or something? I think that rich people will live to be 150. <laughs> I'll be surprised if I make it through my 60s, but... Why? Just, you know, family history, you know. Oh. <laughs> I was like, you're, not, you're not doing heroin right now, so... Not yet. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Who knows? It could all turn around. Yeah, that's true. discover it, yeah. that's what you've been missing this whole time. I do, uh, I do drink too much and eat too many carbs. <laughs> so, you know... It's only a matter of time. They have medicines for all that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, well, for too many carbs, there's insulin, yeah. <laughs> I guess. So I can get on that insulin. Like, can you, if you're not diabetic, like, take that to help you, like, process sugar differently so that you, like, don't feel the effects of having eaten too many carbs? That can't be true. Dude, but if it was true... You could eat anything you want and then just be like... Just take insulin and then just bring your sugar level down. Avoid, maybe, yeah, maybe we should be doing more preventive insulin taking yes. to avoid later onset diabetes. Like, maybe, yeah, maybe if every time I ate an entire pizza by myself, I, ate, I took a little bit of insulin, I could avoid later on getting diabetes. They should do that instead of us not eating whole pizzas by ourselves. I think they should just give us the thing give so we can do what, whatever insulin, we want. Insulin, yeah. Yeah. What? You li you've lived in Boston for, like, tons of years. Yeah, I've lived in uh, the same apartment I live in now since 1998. You are the person who's lived in the same place the longest of anyone I know who lives in Boston. Yeah, there's few, very few people who have lived in places as long as me. Very transient city. Yes. Hmm. So, do you plan on staying here forever? I don't know. Uh, like, right now I'm in a good place where I've got a lot of good stuff going for me. I'm making a decent living, but... The city's just getting so expensive. It's just, you know, I, I don't know. I think that, I, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know. I think that, I, you know, I, like I've always said when people are like, would you ever live anyplace else? I always say I would, I would live anyplace else for any reason. Uh, but I just wouldn't move for no reason, you know? Right. So, like, if there's, and arguably, like, now I have a really good reason to move. My girlfriend moved to a different city. I could go move there and live with her but I I just think that like right now I, I need to focus on making money because I want to have babies and you want to have babies? yeah you know and I think that like I'm 
kind of more focused on making money now than she is. And I think that, uh, especially because of that, like, I specifically need to focus on making money. Because, you know, like, if she was, like, focusing on, focused on making money, then I, maybe then I would feel like I don't, I don't have to as much. But also, like, I'm almost 40. I need to, like, to, if I'm going to do something, I got to do it, you know? Like, I can't, like, I can't wait too much longer. Like, I'm already going to be an old dad, but I don't want to be, like, super, an, super yeah, an ancient dad, you know? I want to be, I don't know. I feel like most of the people I know who are having kids are, like, your age, though. Yeah, I guess that's kind of the, you know, the trend with a lot of people. Yeah. So, comparatively, you won't be the old dad. You'll be the kind of average stage dad. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I'm very very nervous about it. It's not even close. (laughs) There's no concrete plans or anything like that, but I'm very nervous about it. But what about, is it the child rearing or like, is that it? It's just money, you know, oh. just worried about money. just want to make enough, I want to make sure, I don't know, I just feel like money was such a stressful thing when I was growing up. Uh-huh. And I feel like it really, you know, it was just really tough growing up, uh, dealing with money, my, you know, my family having money issues that I just, you know, I don't want to like put kids through that. But, right. but you know, then again, you know, I turned out fine, I, you, know, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I guess, I mean... I'm not, you know, I've got, I've certainly got a lot of problems, but no, I'm not like a, I'm not a monster. I'm not a disaster person, you know, so uh, we'll see. My sister just had her first baby. She's, uh, she's two years younger than me, so she's, uh, she's 35 and she just had uh, her first baby, which is pretty exciting. Do you get to see the baby often? I haven't actually. He was just born and I saw him twice. And then I haven't seen him since then. He's about two months old now. And I haven't seen him since he was like uh, two weeks old because I've been sick. And for a while, I thought I might have mono, uh, which I don't have. But, uh, or I'm pretty sure I don't have. I took a blood test, but then they never gave me results. But like, but I feel like... Probably, and also I just think that like... it's been long enough that I think I would be having more severe symptoms. But I am sick, but I think it's just like, I'm sick just, I think, from the weather changing and from, uh, from allergies. You know. So we are exiting the Parker house. Oh, well, thank you. Walk down this way. Okay. I love getting the sound of going from the inside, like, land, yeah. sound landscape. Oh, wait, this is the thing I was telling you about. Oh, yeah. So this is... So, yeah, friends, look up and see the North Church Tower where uh, shown two lanterns. And you can see, like, you can see, like, uh, just the barely top. It's really, and and they just, and it used to be, you could see the entire steeple. And now it's, you can barely see it. It's very sad. But the plaque is still here. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about how they built a government station, the MBTA Center, and now it is blocking the view of the North Church Tower. It's very sad. Uh, but, I mean, you can still see the top of it, I guess. I wonder if they built it to be glass so that this would still kind of technically... You can kind of see it, but yeah. it's not... Uh, and it's just, it's just, it's glass. There's no, no reason for it to have to be that tall. Yeah. It's weird. It's like three stories tall of just glass. There's nothing there. And that's, like, I, I don't think there's anything, like, printed on the side. It's not like nope. the um, Holocaust Memorial in front of the Bell and Hand and stuff. 
No, 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 it's not like that at all. They don't have the numbers of all of the people who have lost trolley cards over the years. <laughs> it's all of the the trolley <laughs> cards that have that have gone dark with unused fare on them over the years since trolley cards were first first instituted. How how many do you think there is? Uh, probably a lot of them. I yeah. bet it's pretty, you know, especially you know tourists and stuff like that uh, yeah. uh, coming in, and they they put twenty dollars on it. They use they use eighteen of it, and then that last two dollars. Yep, that's uh, <laughs> this is the most insensitive thing I've said so far. <laughs> it's great. But uh, yeah, this is uh, so. Right now, we're walking by the Tremont Temple Baptist Church, first racially integrated church uh, in the U.S., which I've never been inside. I wonder. I mean, it's Sunday. They probably are having churches, church services right now. But two thirty. Um, I only know black churches that stay like from eleven yeah. to two thirty. Well, this is an integrated church, so I guess uh, it's maybe. you know. Yeah. I don't know. Did you go to church as a kid? Uh, yeah, definitely. I went to Catholic church growing oh. up. Yeah. Uh, which is real bad. I don't suggest it. Okay. Yeah, it's terrible. It's awful. Why was it awful? It's just really boring. It's really boring and, you know, generally like in most Christian services, they have like singing. Yes. And it's like a celebration of Jesus' love. Yeah. They have singing in the Catholic Church, but it's, it's not that. It's, it, it's, you know, it's penance. It's punishment for sins. You know, it's terrible. That does sound pretty, like, I went to a historically black church and there was a lot of singing and like, Joyful praise, yeah. We we're all about love and like acceptance and warmth. There's no joy in the Catholic Church, you know. Sometimes there'll even be songs that talk about joy, but it'll be like, Jesus gives us His joy. Like it just sounds sad and it's not. Ugh, it's just terrible, terrible music. You know, it's just. I mean, really, like. People love gospel music. Yeah. No one likes Catholic music. Yeah, I don't even, I've never even heard it. No, no one's, you're never going to find, uh, uh, you're never going to find a CD of Catholic favorites in anyone's collection. It's just all terrible music. So, describe what we are passing now. So, right now we're passing the Park Street Church right here. And if you look off in the distance, you can see the Prudential Tower, the Hancock Tower. Uh, we're passing the Granary Burial Ground over here, where a lot of famous, uh, famous patriots are buried. And we're, uh, we're coming up on the Park Street Church, which is uh, one of the two oldest underground subway stations in America, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I'm reading a book about that right now. I've been reading it for a real long time. Uh, <laughs> I'm almost done. But uh, called uh, The Race Underground, which is about the, uh, you know, sort of the, let's see if we can jaywalk over here. Uh, the Race Underground is about the sort of the competition between these two brothers from Brookline, one who lived here, one who lived in New York, to uh -huh. make the first uh, underground subway system uh, in America. Uh -huh. And the guy, uh, the one, the guy who was here won. Oh. And he made the first underground subway system, which was from here uh, on the corner of Tremont and Park Street to the corner of Tremont <laughs> and Boylston Street, uh, just about maybe, I don't know, uh, maybe an eighth of a mile yeah. under Boston Common. Uh, it's, it would definitely why be... They, why on earth would they need that? Well, because we wanted to be first. <laughs> Later in New York, they opened a subway system that was actually useful, <laughs> but we were first. Yeah, I like that we still definitely rep the first uh, transit system, like underground subway system, 
but we cannot like in none of that can we argue that we are like a good underground subway system yeah. well i mean yeah yeah it seems pretty bad living here i guess but i guess like compared to the rest of the country uh we have an underground subway. Yes. we have a subway system we have public transportation which i guess yes. most of the country doesn't have so i guess in that sense we're doing okay yeah. i mean it's still pretty bad but but luckily charlie baker just uh, just cut uh, you know, it cut $60 million from the budget over the last couple of years, so... Well, we may not have it for long. Yeah, so it'll be, you know, I'm sure it's... Yeah, it's already worse, but I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll, he'll cut more money from it before he's done. Oh, nice. Yeah. I think it's got to be better. My sister lives in D.C., and their train system just keeps catching on fire. Really? Yeah, they had to close it for, like, three days, like, like, I think in the middle of the week. So, like, if you needed to get to work, you were just out of luck. Or maybe they replaced it with bus service. But it was just like, hey, the metro is going to be closed for three days because these fires keep happening. And, uh, <laughs> ooh, we are not maintaining this very well. But it's so clean. It is so clean. Yeah. They don't allow you to, like, eat or drink on there. Yeah, a few years ago they arrested an eight-year-old girl for eating <laughs> on, on the public transportation. <laughs> I don't see why you would go through the process of arresting when you could just be like, hey, little girl, stop doing that. Yeah. Like, I think you go up to there and just slap it out of her hand. <laughs> the end. Yeah. An arrest was necessary. She can have that on her, like, child record. Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> she's never. She's not going to be able to get into a good kindergarten. Yeah. She's going to, well, I guess she's probably in second grade at that point, so she wouldn't be able to get one anyways. <laughs> Yeah, she's not going to be able to get into a what? What do uh, what do eight year olds? Good middle school, yeah. yeah. She's going to be turned down for some of the finest middle schools in DC. As opposed to here, on the way here, uh, there were three people drinking out of uh, tea bottles, but it was actually vodka. Really? So, yeah. yeah. Tea bottles? Yeah, like, like oh, honest oh, tea. Honest tea, yeah, yeah. yeah All just, right. They put vodka in it, and they were. Kind of like yeah, around. I really like that. There's there's a there's a uh, a brand of vodka now that's called it's called uh, Poland's uh, uh, Suring, and like the E is drawn so it looks like a P, so it really looks like it's a Pol like it's Poland Spring, <laughs> because which is funny because that's how most of the, that's how most of uh, my friends drink vodka is out of a Poland Spring bottle. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, John Paul Rivera, I guess. Yes, it's yes, yes. One, it's oh, one friend. I don't think he's limited to just Poland spring bottles. That's true. As far as how he consumes uh, liquor. Yeah. I remember at a party. Uh, sorry, John Paul, if you didn't want people to know this. Uh, maybe you don't know this. Um, he, it was a basic bitch party, mm -hmm. and he, there was so much vodka and uh, Pinot Grigio. Mm -hmm. He just like combined vodka and Pinot Grigio and walked around with it, and like, <laughs> it was a, it was a technically a wine bottle, but what was in it was vodka. <laughs> Yeah. What, did he have a name for that drink? No, but hmm. we were all like, we have mixers. Like, you yeah, can, yeah. Whatever, man. Just like, hmm. whatever you need. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That That's sounds... Weird alcoholic combination. That is a weird alcoholic. Yeah. yeah, I guess, I guess like once you're, if you're used to drinking straight vodka, I guess mixing it with anything <laughs> isn't going to make it worse, yeah. you know? It's just... True. Yeah, it'll burn slightly less. Ugh. And the idea of doing that seems very painful. So does the group meet you here? Yeah, so I have a private group. So my group is, let me just check the name. All right, just got to get their name on here. All right, cool. So they will hopefully find me. And uh, what time is it now? There should be a guide from the Freedom Trail here. Let me see if I can find the. Okay. 
So before you do, are there any final thoughts you want people to know? Things that, like, deep, dark secrets you haven't revealed on, like, other podcasts? So I can oh, get, like, I a... say the same stuff on every podcast. Oh, gotta... um... <laughs> oh geez, what is this good scoop? Uh, let's see. It's probably all the same stuff that I've said in every other podcast. Uh, uh, let's see. Um, I think the scoop is... Oh, I'll tell this is a scoop. I, uh, I, a lot of times when I'm in, in costume, I'll... I'll uh, if I have a long space between my tours, like I did today, and yeah. instead I, I did your podcast, which was great. But sometimes if I don't have a podcast to do, I'll go see a movie at the Boston Common Lowell's. And uh, I recently saw Batman Superman, and I didn't think it was that bad. Really? Yeah. Even the fight when he's like, why would you say that name? That's my mom's name. Look, there's problems, but it's not the, it's not the worst movie in the world. Okay, it's not the worst movie in the world. Yeah. Although it is weird that the whole movie kind of hinges on the fact that yeah. both of those guys' moms have the same antiquated name. Yeah. But, but it, yeah, it could have been worse. I also hate that metal Batman suit, like, a lot. Oh, it I just like looks it. Like, a, like a kid's Lego set. Oh, I kind of think it's cool. Uh, you know. I have to accept this. I got into a, not a big fight, one of my cousins is married to a film reviewer mm-hmm. uh, but I don't think he's a very good film reviewer because oh. we disagree about like every movie Wow! so like every time he's like this is my top 10 list I'm like your list is garbage wow. <laughs> yeah so that the the enjoyment of that movie has caused family strife for me it's a wow. sensitive point wow so you really hated it huh I really really just well, most it. people hated it I didn't think it was that bad I liked Wonder Woman I thought she I had thought she was cool. charisma yeah. that the other characters lacked yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. There, yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, it's you know, and it's like you know, it's like pretty bleak, like just like the first Superman movie, which yeah. is like it's just not very fun. Yeah. But I thought there was more. It was more more compelling than the Superman movie. Well, yeah, I really didn't like the suit. I think whatever that actor's name is like a bag of toast. Mm. He just isn't compelling as a yeah. as an actor. But not Melba Toast, because Melba Toast is very compelling. Wait, does Mel- is Melba Toast toast? Like, does it have salt on it? Um, no, I don't think so. It's, it's just, just like, like a, it's like a rye bread, small rye bread. Okay. That's I think it's rye. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've never bought Melba Toast. Oh, it's great. Okay. You gotta check it out. I've heard good things about yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. It's like a cracker, you know. <laughs> I like this. So These are the cracker. Is a scoop. We <laughs> yeah. got guys. Big scoop. Yeah, big scoop. Rob Green. Like Batman Superman was okay, and I love Melba Toast. <laughs> Now we know what to put on your tombstone. <laughs> now we know. Like, these are the Rob important Crane. parts. 1978-2018. Thought Batman versus Superman was okay. Loved Melba Toast. All right. So any... Okay, so last question. Actual last question. If you move away from Boston, what's the thing you're going to miss most about this place? Mm, oh, there's so many millionaires here now. I'm going to miss all the millionaires. Oh. It's just great to live in a. It's great to be, uh, to be a, a, a an unaffluent person in a sea of millionaires. I'm gonna miss that so much. Um, no, I don't know. I'm gonna miss uh, every, everything. I don't know. I'm gonna miss. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'll miss everything. I've lived here my entire life. You know, I've lived in in Boston proper since I was 18 years old, and I've lived you know I, I've never lived more than 25 miles from where we're standing right now so I mean you know I'll miss everything about Boston you know I guess I mean I, I have a lot of problems with Boston but uh, it's my home definitely like I've lived I've never lived anyplace else so uh, I'll miss everything I'll miss you know 
yeah. Uh, good things, I'll miss the bad things. I don't know. Okay, one bad thing that you'll miss. One bad thing that I'll miss. Um, I'll definitely miss, like, the townies. Like, the townies, <laughs> like, the drunk townies that are, uh, I don't know. There's, like, a particular type of, like, townie that is only exists in, I mean, there's townies everywhere, but yeah. there's a particular type of Massachusetts townie that is, I don't know, is great. That I like, even though they're not necessarily like. I don't I, like. There's so many things, you know, individual things about them that I don't necessarily like. But in combination, I find them charming. I do find it's like a charming aspect, like this like weird racist troll thing yeah, that just yeah. like wanders around the city. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. All right, guys. Well, this has been Purse About Town. We're gonna leave Rob to do his tour. Uh, any final words? Um, have a great day, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye.